0: Good morning. Uh, I'm Bruce Little and I'll be uh, monitoring uh, our sessions, uh, the, the two sessions that we have. Uh, I would like to make a couple of uh, comments. There will be housekeeping matters. And if you could just follow this, it will just make it super and it will help us in many ways. The first is that we will have microphones uh, set up in each aisle. So if you wish to address your question to one of the speakers, one of the presenters, the other is the then please make your way to one of the mics, and that way we'll keep everybody in the queue. And the second thing that I have is I know that always a temptation, because you have a lot to say on this subject. Uh, and you feel this could be good time you to say it. But I do ask that you might, of uh, all the constraints that you have, either by your own flesh or by the Spirit of God, uh, to refrain uh, from presenting our faith. <laughs> so please, you can get context to your question, but please keep your question uh, as crystallized uh, as possible so that to whoever is being addressed, They don't have 20 questions to try to figure out if you want to answer first. That would just be great appreciated. it. Uh, So if you want to ask a question, you will have to make your way to one of the mics right now. We only have one mic, but another mic will be presented over to the company will be placed on as well. We only have one mic. Oh, there will only be one mic? Correct. Okay, Uh, that's a correction. There's only only one mic, so that mic is located in this aisle. Now that poses just a little bit of a problem, but uh, if if you are from center to my left, and you're making your way over to my right, you'll notice that you're going to pass by the cameras. So if you could somehow physically lower your profile, uh, it would be much appreciated so that your hair isn't uh, part of the the film. Uh, I'm not asking you to do the rope below profile or anything like that, but just kind of bend over. And if you're short like myself, you won't have to worry, but if you're tall, just kind of try to keep out of the line of the uh, the videos. I think if we can do that, that will all be greatly appreciate it. So, with that being said, let me welcome you. Uh, we have uh, the Scientist Network, we have the Philosopher's Network, we have the Theologian's Network, and we have the Advanced Apologetics, I want to welcome you uh, to uh, this event. Our, we run it uh, like this, we have a presenter and we have a respondent. The presenter summarizes the paper the respondent will then enter, will respond to the presenter, and then for the next ten or fifteen minutes or so, the two, the responder and the presenter will interact with one another. After that, that's your time to ask your questions of either one. Is that clear how we, the drill here? It works quite well if we all Mind out P's and Q's and stay in order. So that would be great. I would like to begin our session uh, with a word of prayer, and then we will move forward. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for this time and for these who have gathered and for the great work that's being done for the sake of the kingdom. And as we discuss some of the issues that are before us, as we interact with others of different disciplines, Help us, our Father, to learn from one another, to be gracious in our conversation. Uh, and even if there is some disagreement, may that sort of disagreement, Father, be uh, set forth in uh, the Spirit of our Lord. And so we commend at this particular time for the good of the Kingdom, as we commend ourselves to You and to the Word of Your Grace and to the work of Your Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, first our first presenter is um, uh, Peter Williams I think he, uh, with a J as a, and it's going to be confusing, this is Peter S. Williams, I hope I've got this right, and this is Peter J. I think they know need no introduction, so I'm going to uh, here now uh, with his presentation. Thank you
1: very much, Paul. It's uh, great to be here, and uh, spoken to um, the other people, and he's happy to be called Big Me I to Little Things.
2: Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, to simplify.
1: C.S. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lewis once wrote about the value of uh, really old books, because old books have cultural blind spots, but they have blind spots that are different from the blind spots of today. Uh, and so I would say there's something similar going on with academic disciplines. I think we tend to be blind to the weaknesses of our own discipline, but we're a little bit better at seeing uh, the weaknesses in the practices of mm-hmm. other people's disciplines. So th- that's why we need to work together and uh, try and get insights from each other. And one of the things, I think, uh, in this very boldly entitled how to approach any intellectual discipline mm-hmm. from Christian worldview, um, it's, uh, I want to encourage us to scrutinise the scriptures. I have to say that I, I didn't suggest the title. Uh, that was suggested uh, by a uh, friend who's looking at my arm. I'm going his identity. Uh, but uh, it, it's, uh, it is a, a, a long paper. It's the first time I've ventured into um, trying to do anything uh, quite such a scope. And these are really just preliminary thoughts. But I believe that every Christian intellectual needs to be someone who studies the Word of God in the Scriptures very deeply and personally, rather than simply relies on others. They may uh, want to listen to uh, what experts in biblical studies have to say, but nevertheless, that their own study of the Scriptures is is fresh um, and, and deep that we're not spending hundreds of thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours, as you, are, you might to spend as an expert in your own area, and just uh, very the of, the scriptures. I then address the sub- subject of whether the scriptures can address every subject, and I want to say that in principle they can, whether in actuality they do uh, is a question, but um, whether they address a specific subject uh, with any specific information, they have general um, uh, guidelines, Uh, live in every situation and how to think uh, generally, whether they actually uh, share information on something such as a matter of science. This question has to be established by reading the text. And I advocate uh, looking at, uh, when you're in an academic discipline, scrutinising, in the light of the scriptures, uh, your own discipline in Respect uh, four different uh, things. Firstly, the axioms of the discipline. Secondly, the values of the discipline. Thirdly, uh, the rules of the discipline. And fourthly, the definitions of the discipline. And I, I think these can be applied to very things. I'm not saying these are the right categories. In
3: fact, a, a friend suggested to me that uh, the category of values isn't a very good
1: category because actually it tends to come uh, from uh, uh, ways of thinking that haven't been uh, so. <laughs> so uh, that's an interesting thing. But, but uh, axioms, I, I think, are uh, really important, obviously. We uh, uh, could say it's self-evident axiomatic that <laughs> axioms uh, are important, but the starting point it is uh, very uh, basic and therefore we can think about that. The values, I think, what I'm looking at here is um, what is it that people, the trendy word nowadays is valorise. What is it that people, you could say, worship? Uh, even the, what, what people say is really worthwhile. Then we have disciplines have their own academic rules. What's the career path that you use to get promoted if you have to undertake certain things in order to get trained uh, in an intellectual discipline? Do any of those things actually involve you doing something that is questionable? And I just thought, um, uh, in the spirit of CS Lewis, I, I, I would in and do an a about uh, animal um, uh, viv- vivisection and animal experimentation. I don't have a, a particular um, um, fixed view in my mind about it uh, uh, myself with everybody having suffering. Um, but I think that if a particular career and I do know people who had to take career paths in biology and have essentially had rather <laughs> thrust on them, a certain amount of pressure that they to do, to experimentation on. Uh, of course what can happen there is you, you, you get rather uh, caught up in the way that the discipline works early on, you get someone compromised and there's a certain selection that goes on so that when uh, it, it may well lead to a bias within the leadership of the discipline where of course everyone who leads in the discipline happens to agree with something right because they actually all had to do that early on in the career part now. I don't want to get caught up that, 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 that'd be helpful. I'm just trying to use that as an illustration. Um, wh- whether or not uh, it's, 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 it's okay or not uh, under certain uh, uh, situations, the, the very point that someone might be under pressure about their conscientious position because there is an academic career path is more underlying. And then I um, also uh, write about how we need to question the very words we use seems to me that one of the weaknesses that, uh, in uh, Christian thinking at the moment is that we're not creating lots of new words. Early on in, in Christianity, um, Christianity brought lots of words to the world, like the word angel. And the amazing thing about it, once you create that word is actually uh, it uh, enables uh, a child, three or four year old, to have a concept of an angel. not the wrong concept, but it, it, it actually facilitates it. And some of the most culturally influential... Um, groups in recent years have created words, created definitions. So you have a word like tolerance nowadays. which is a, a very um, a full set of uh, definitions that are used uh, nowadays, a word about like discrimination, and a very interesting uh, words about that. And Chrisy not being as creative, now we might say because we've got vocabulary going back a very long way, while uh, we're creating words, but of course that vocabulary time will shift. And I think that when we are in a discipline, we need to look at the very words of the discipline. Now, none of that can all be done in one go. Um, so, because you can't uh, simultaneously take any bit of the engine apart, you actually have to um, uh, question things one thing at a time. You might provisionally uh, accept, but not necessarily one thing at the time, but you can only take on a certain question load, So you might provisionally accept certain rules, certain definitions, certain axioms. But what you do is you, you, you have a to-do list and your to-do list is I need to look at this and think is this a, a, a good word, is it a helpful word that actually um, stands up to screw in the life of scriptures. So that's really uh, what I, I had to uh, say. I think I am particularly detect uh, you know, provocative when I question uh, the very word sex which is uh, very uh, central to our cultural thinking. I thought I'd go from, I might as well go to a, a regional Icon that I'm actually requesting all sorts of words, Uh, and essentially say we can imagine the world without that word, and that is I think what we sometimes need to do. Our discipline may have an absolutely core bit of vocabulary, but it can be changed. It's essentially a a vision. If over the 20th century, as a result of certain um, movements, even thrown out major Western languages how pronouns.
0: So, um, actually, any bit of vocabulary in a discipline is open to, uh, to change and to challenge uh, if you believe that um, they're really and really Thank you, Peter. Uh, now, um, Peter, thank you, Peter. Now, Peter, Peter. Um, your response. Grand. Uh, So
2: it falls to me to take the uh, devil's advocate role, as it were, uh, and therefore to try and be agreeably disagreeable about something, uh, despite the fact that when I read the paper, uh, my first impression and my continuing impression of it uh, is that this was a really good paper that actually makes uh, some strong contributions uh, to the field that I describe as the whole field of thinking about uh, academic uh, integration, integration of Christian faith uh, and academia, and particularly uh, the conceptual grid uh, that Little Peter provides uh, in terms of those uh, five uh, categories there. Uh, and I think it's, it's bold and it's a clarion call uh, that we would be well advised to, to listen to. Nonetheless, there are a few uh, tweaks and fine tunings and sort of question raising uh, that I want uh, to do with this. Uh, in order to hopefully try and make it uh, even better and even more uh, practical. So uh, when uh, Peter is talking about uh, scrutinizing scripture for its uh, particular teachings and general principles uh, and then approaching our academic subjects uh, in order to reconceive them sort of from the ground up uh, and in these various categories that he mentions of the axioms, values, rules, and so on, Uh, I think it's clear that what he means is um, a process of um, hermeneutically responsible reading of Scripture uh, rather than, of course, a, a naive. Uh, or simplistic, or uninformed, or what have you, uh, reading of Scripture. Uh, I do have a spelling mistake uh, at the bottom, of page one. I do not mean a uh, hermetically responsible, <laughs> uh, as if you have to do this in some sort of germ-free environment. Um, the word there should be hermeneutically responsible. Um, so what it's really saying is, is uh, ultimately, we uh, should be reconceiving our academic subjects in the light of our theology. Uh, I think. And as I point out, theology is by its nature, I think, uh, an integrative subject. I take sort of Thomas Aquinas' view of uh, theology as the queen of the sciences, that is the the ultimate uh, integrative point of all of our uh, sources of knowledge as humans, and that the project of theology inevitably involves us uh, in drawing upon different academic subjects, including uh, the traditional handmaiden of theology, i.e., philosophy. Uh, in that uh, process. Uh, Which raises the idea that perhaps things are not quite as straightforward as it may at first appear of simply uh, reading the scriptures to get your Christian viewpoint and then applying it to the academic subjects because the academic subjects are playing a role in what one thinks one Christian viewpoint should be. So uh, ultimately I argue that there needs to be Uh, What has sometimes been described as the hermeneutical spiral or a uh, a sort of um, iterative process involved in this uh, move towards uh, integration of one's faith with one's uh, academic subjects. So, our academic disciplines do inevitably, and I think uh, can, not only can and do, but, but indeed should play a role in our reading of scripture that our reading of scripture is ultimately bound up in theology, which is by its nature uh, dealing with information from other sources beyond simply sort of reading the words off the page, as it were. Uh, and my third point, that uh, Christians uh, obviously do, and I think sometimes you know can uh, legitimately, and I know we might uh, di- discuss what we mean by legitimately here, and if I had uh, space, I could have perhaps been more careful about what I meant here, um, but there's a sense... I want to hold in which Christians can legitimately disagree on occasions about what Scripture means. That, that there are disagreements in the Christian community that are uh, disagreements within the Christian community. They're not a disagreement that means that one or other of the party is outside of the fold, as it were. And that therefore, uh, if we follow this process, we're not going to end up with the worked out Christian view of botany and the worked out Christian view of palliative care or whatever. But we will inevitably end up having continuing to have in-house discussions about various different models and conceptions of uh, how Christian faith integrates with the different subjects. Okay and you am yeah, probably going
1: to stay at this point. Um, thank you. I'm really grateful Uh, kind uh, response Uh, and I I want to just clarify something because um, one of the things I think Peter's concerned about is the um, idea that I might be advocating that someone simply reads the scriptures in a naive way and that will uh, essentially give them enough to be able to um, look at an academic discipline and you say how we need to uh, look uh, in the light of various other things. I, I do want to just emphasize the phrase I talk about,
3: active scrutiny. Um, and a, 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 a biblical word
1: might be the word meditate. Um, Meditating down like you're turning something over and over in your mind, looking at it from many different angles. I, I found uh, with uh, use Fernando's uh, expositions that he's been turning over the script in his mind. He's, he's looking at things from a different angle from the way... Uh, I would, and, and that's through not be informed by you know, talking to other people, getting other perspectives, and so on. So I don't mean just uh, you know a naive reading, but I do mean an actual scrutiny. But when it, it could be saying well, we need to look at these in the light of our academic discipline. So when you start naming an academic discipline like theology, and the Theologians Network, you have to ask various questions about how helpful theology actually is. I mean theology arguably isn't that helpful a word, the word theologian less helpful because it sets up a particular group of people as having a particular um, uh, role in, in society which may actually um, mean that everyone thinks I don't have to be a theologian. Uh, And and so we've got to look, I'm I'm not saying the word has no place, but I just think with any of these words we need actually to scrutinise them. Uh, And so whether it's um, hermeneutics as an idea, um, often the discipline of hermeneutics stresses the distance between a text and the person who receives it, when the scriptures uh, are more um, commonly stressing the proximity of the Word of God to the individual, like, uh, the, the Word of God is addressing someone. I and mean, sometimes in the New Testament will talk about, I think, the book of Hebrews, how something from the Old Testament is addressed to those people that the, the writer of Hebrews is writing to now. And so we, again, rather than bringing the discipline in um, to the process too early, I think uh, what I'm trying to argue is for the blind blood. Uh, that that we actually have spent so much time scrutinizing. So, uh, you know, a discipline like philosophy really can be a very, very helpful thing in terms of making you think more clearly, think more logically. Um, This is all uh, very biblical, uh, but um, the way the discipline of philosophy comes in is it it has to be established by scripture. Obviously the word philosophy tends to come up for better pressing scriptures, but, um, you know, I would say the law of non-contradiction um, is really affirmed in the scriptures in a text like uh, 1 Kings 13 where the prophet who thinks that God could say a and non-a, um, you know, that you should return, by the, uh, should return by the same way and that you should return by the same uh, uh, you know, and, uh, the same way. Both of those words could be prophecies from God actually uh, gets the death penalty. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a very serious way of establishing that, but, but I, I'm trying to do that from within a text of scripture. I'm, I'm trying to say that obviously, there is there is hardware, the brains that God's given us, there's the whole environment which we bring to understand the scriptures, um, uh, but I'm wanting to say there's a lot of induction going on here in the way that we uh, work towards a proper view from, uh, from the scriptures. So, I, th- I think those are the things I, w- I would say. Uh, 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 one, one more point, which is just about, yeah, Christians legitimately disagreeing about what um, uh, Scripture says. Uh, I, I want to say, uh, I personally uh, should not be judging other people for having certain interpretations that are different uh, from the one which I have um, conscientiously come mm. to conclude is correct. That's different from saying, that we can both legitimately be right. So I want to say, whatever your view of baptism is, that the, the view of um, the, you should only baptize, let's say, believing adults, and or you and you should baptize um, covenant, uh, children or covenant parents or whatever, those views uh, may both be ones that we should uh, um, um, be accepting of people who hold that, mm. but to say that they're legitimate, um, could sound to me like, um, at the judgment day, God <laughs> is going to say, well, you know, they're two equal alternatives, you know, there isn't. and I, I don't want to say that. Um, so, in, in that sense that, um, I, I may say, I, I'm not sure which of these two interpretations is correct, they are both legitimate in the sense that they do not contradict another part of scripture, and so they are allowed within uh, Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but there are certain sorts of things which I would want to say we, should be to- uh, we might want to tolerate in ministry contexts of each other uh, and yet not say, I want to affirm that they're legitimate. So that's maybe just being a okay. bit picky about use of, use of, of language. But uh, uh, <laughs> very grateful uh, to
0: the creative yeah. response. Yeah,
2: sure. Well, I'm um, uh, far be it from a philosopher to take issue with someone being picky about the use of language, uh, so <laughs> I'm fine with that. And, and I think um, that that clarification uh, means I think uh, there's agreement between us on that point. I, I do not, of course, mean by saying there are different legitimate interpretations that both interpretations can be true. Uh, we, we go back to the law of non-contradiction. If there, there's a difference between them. Uh, Only one of them, at best, uh, can be true. Uh, Although both of those interpretations could be false. Maybe someone could come up with uh, a third one. And and occasionally, someone uh, does come up with a a new interpretation of something, a new way of thinking uh, about uh, a particular scriptural issue um, that no one has thought about before. I mean, it it astonished me a few years ago when I read um, William Dembski's book on interpretation of the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his uh, use of newcomb 's paradox and philosophy and, and working then it, uh, he presented what seemed to me to be an entirely new way of thinking about the issue, whether or not one agreed with it, um, here at least was good grief. After you know the church thinking about this for two thousand years, um, here comes along someone and says, well here 's another way of, of thinking about the issue." <laughs> that we now have to all sort of take into account in the, the, the range of views and, and, yes, try and work out which view we think is true um, whilst holding with fellow Christians who hold uh, different views um, with uh, charity, as it were, uh, particularly, you know, the um, uh, in Essentials Unity and, and in more sort of tertiary uh, issues um, uh, we want to be uh, careful in sort of drawing the lines of when we start saying people are heretical, although I think we do need such uh, such lines, uh, as it were. Um, so I think there's a fundamental uh, uh, agreement on uh, what we're meaning by, by legitimate. Um, but I would also want to add, I think... Perhaps this is the difference between um, talking uh, f- from a theologian talking about biblical interpretation and, and someone who's not a theologian talking about it. Um, where I get at the issue often by, say, reading uh, a debate book. I get a Zondervan debate book and it seems, you know, four interpretations of this, three views of the other. Um, and sometimes I read one of those books and one of, one of the interpretations convinces me, and I think, yes, that's right. I can see why the other guy might say that. I think he's, the other guy is still a Christian. Uh, but he's he's not beyond the fold, but I think he's wrong. But sometimes I I might read that and and think, well, I don't know, I'm just kind of agnostic on what the right interpretation of of, of that is. So I'm suspending my judgment at the moment on this issue and and that issue. Um, And in that sense, uh, one can hold that, well... At the moment, I can can see, well, I could go kind of either way, and there are Christians who go one way or the other, um, but I'm suspending my my judgment on this, uh, and there's a sense which then one can perhaps use a a sense of the term, well, I can see these are both legitimate possible interpretations that that one could have as well that I'm continuing to to think through and hope one day to have resolved. Um, If only when I get to heaven and ask St. Paul, what did you mean by, you know? Yes. So
1: I think at one level we we, we could agree in in some sort of ecumenical way and both sign the same document, but I think we might well mean very different things Mm. by it, Um, because even the way you're talking about things suggests to me that you would go about trying to work out the right answer um, a very different way from the way I did.
4: Um, hold the sorry, thank
1: you. Yeah, um, uh, just to say, I, know, I think big people would be probably looking for us in a very different way from the way I would. Now, of course, we each have our own callings and uh, disciplines, and someone who's trained as a or want to use uh, you know, philosophy, someone who's trained in biblical languages may want to use more training in biblical languages. But um, I didn't start learning Hebrew until I was 20, uh, but I got my first Hebrew dictionary when I was 16. Because I thought, if God has given us the Bible, in and lots of it is in Hebrew, I want to connect with that because I want to get as close to um, source on what God's saying as I like possibly can. I'm not saying anyone needs to learn that, but when I talk about active scrutiny of the Scriptures, um, in, in one sense, I I believe that um, with any philosophical paradigm, I would need to establish that it's a valid way of reading things from within scriptures. So Mm. I am, I think, arguing for a a different flavour of of approach, because my argument would be that every academic who is a Christian should be a very fervent student of the scriptures. in terms of, um, and they will, everyone will have different insights depending on you know, uh, uh, gifting for the area of knowledge, mm. but they will be um, very actively scrutinizing um, such things. So, what we also need to establish is that particular ways of thinking are good ways of thinking, mm. uh, and I think. What we realize is that there are ways of thinking described in Colossians which are not founded according to Christ. And and they may be entirely um, coherent ways of thinking and yet fundamentally wrong way of thinking. And that's just the the challenge that we have to uh, think about uh, in in this area. And I think that the way God is calling us to uh, look at things is to... uh, Begin with the foundation of uh, what's sometimes called listening in the Bible. I work here, which is li- listen, heed, obey. Um, that's the foundation. Um, and um, from that, we are able to establish some of these other things. So does that make any sense? Uh,
2: yes, and I think I want to agree with that. I mean, I think of my own... Experience as a lay preacher in my um, local Anglican church uh, and the fact that uh, that has that experience of becoming more the, the sort of preaching staff of the church has pushed me more to not only reading commentaries from people on passages of scripture that I'm meditating over to, to sermonize uh, not only reading a range of translations of that scripture but also getting out my Uh, Greek Young's literal translation and my Strong's concordance and so on and spending time just sort of meditating, mulling it over sleeping on it, uh, etc. So yeah, I I, I go to the the words of of the scripture and and, and sort of meditate upon that um, think about it, pray about it uh, look up some of the key terms in the Strong's uh, sometimes note Note that there are a couple of different meanings of the word, and does that affect uh, the passage? Um, but because I'm not a linguistics expert, there's only so much informa- informing of me that that can do. And then I'm, I'm reliant upon reading commentators who will say things like, yes, you, you could interpret it that way, but a much more natural reading is this. Now, I'm in no position as, as a Christian, to make that kind of judgment, so I'm a, I'm reliant upon um, other people's expertise, um, in light of full knowledge of the fact that, that uh, uh, experts, who all, as far as I can tell, you know, have I- equally sort of valid degrees in the thing, are and are Christian, may disagree sometimes when they're doing that. Um, so. Uh, I think yeah, there's a there's a lot that we can obviously get out, um, but there are um, difficult issues, difficult interpretations, difficult passages um, that uh, are, are not obvious to me. Uh, you know that that we're going to find uh, easy a- agreement upon, uh, and that is still going to make this 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 process of academic integration. Messy, Um, uh, and perhaps messier than at a first reading of your paper. And I I appreciate your point about the the active scrutiny and the emphasis uh, upon that um, uh, might seem to make it.
1: Thank you. I I do need to clarify Um, I wasn't suggesting that every Christian um, academic needs to be a linguist, that I could have sounded like I was saying that. and really I am um, talking about um, the sorts of insights into the way the scriptures work that you can get from uh, reading um, in a translation and uh, the the fact that as you uh, read more and more you get to know more of the mind of God Mm. um, and uh, that's very important I would say um, I'm concerned when... um, there's too much appeal to um, consensus of experts about, mm. uh, or this is seems to be legitimated by lots and lots of people who've got, you know, lots mm. of uh, mm. applications, given that, um, at least according to um, the Bible, uh, the, the top Bible experts uh, uh, didn't get <laughs> who Jesus was, and they should have done uh, and so, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a problem if, if we um, constrain what we think by mm. what the top experts in biblical studies, or philosophy, mm. or mm. science, or anything, yeah. uh, think. And that's why, um, in order to start getting radical, mm. uh, we have to be prepared to question the very basic yeah. uh, uh, terms that you use. So, mm. I, I, I suppose I'm wanting to call for being more radical. Yeah. I think that the general tendency is that um, Christian academics are simply not radical enough. Mm. That, that, that there's too much uh, just going along with the, with the ke- uh, consensus and trying to put a bit of uh, you know window gracing mm. mm. or, or a, you know a Christian flavour onto uh, something. And I think that's where. Um, uh, I would uh, emphasize things uh, differently, and perhaps at one point in the paper, I, in your response that I didn't really uh, address was the whole question of uh, the role of science in uh, the proto-hermeneutics, where I see um, uh, when you're reading a text, the, the legitimate ways to understand the text are the information uh, that uh, an ancient reader uh, could reasonably have, and uh, because we're reading a sacred text which is intended for all generations, uh, we can also include uh, what information God uh, might expect us now to have, but that needs to be of such a form that it be compatible with the way
3: person
1: mm, mm. And so some people, uh, let's say are on perfect I, I think in, my, in my paper, where, what I would see scientists doing in this whole question is it's like generating an error message. Oh. Um, the error message doesn't solve um, uh, the, the question, mm. but it tells you you just did the wrong thing. You need to go back and start again. Mm. But what you don't then do is you don't plug in um, some of the axioms of a scientific consensus mm. to define uh, the answer that you must be able to reach, and that's uh, for me that that's, yeah. that's, that's 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 a key thing. It's like in a mathematics exam where you've been you might have been given a, a question of form proof, mm. um, and uh, and there, in that context you sort of know what the correct answer is, and you've got to find a, a, a way of getting there. There are many models we have for where we actually are able to see that something, an answer is wrong, mm. but that doesn't, that error message itself doesn't quite um, uh, show us where we went
3: wrong.
0: You, okay, yeah. uh, uh, maybe we should get, we can get to the audience. Uh, okay. So, if you you'd like to ask a question, you may approach uh, the mic that's over here. So, don't all go at once. Uh, But go to the mic, please. It's great that you came
4: to the sciences in the end. But I think that's a very special subject, especially for the sciences, because the sciences to uh, be the basis for all of science. So, theology and humanities have to conform to the scientific results and to say, if science gives you an error message, uh, then theology has to reconsider. So, that sounds to me like science is the referee for a theological interpretation to some degree. I think you you would have to uh, be more clear on that issue, probably, and then of course, science and uh, humanities start usually would see deus, not dare uh, So we thought of methodological atheism, as if God does not exist. While the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how do you bring that together in your axioms, in your starting points, and then how do you use that as the error message, and who is the referring for what? Like, scientists have a problem
0: with evolution, we have creation,
4: and we have that earlier yeah. now. So
1: this is big issues and not easy to solve, which sets the authority? Right. Well, maybe I'll start with the question of the age of the Earth, which is very simple. Uh, um, when Jesus says um, the end of the age of the Earth is going to be um, there is some people standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming into Kingdom. Uh, so, um, of course, I'm taking the other, the opposite of the, the final end of the Earth. The if, in AD certain interpretations of that uh, would be possible, uh, which uh, may not be possible now if you believe that the earth is, had there been actually been 2,000 years to Jesus now put. You could say, no, there haven't been 2,000 years to Jesus uh, was, uh, here on earth. You could deny those last 2,000 years. I think difficult um, uh, exercise, uh, uh, but that's where I think it's um, an error message would be generated on the view that said the earth has ended. You know I, mean? now, I know no one holds that view, uh, but uh, uh, it, it, that's
0: where our
1: knowledge external to the scriptures um, tells us that um, what we can is hold the view that Jesus said the world would end, and the world hasn't ended, and what Jesus said is correct. That's what that, that's basically the, um, that that view becomes impossible. Now, what I may be able to do is I may be able to say, but the son of man coming in his kingdom does not mean the world ending. Or, uh, you know, I might be able to argue that there, one of the disciples somewhere is hidden somewhere is still alive. I don't know if that is the case. Um, yeah, but so, so, this is where I think your exter- things which you rationally believe external to the scriptures feed into the question of what may be a legitimate
3: interpretation of the hmm. text.
1: Um, and, and external knowledge uh, is meant to play a homunculative role. For instance, when uh, Peter's at Pentecost, he uses the archaeological knowledge that his hearers have, that David's grave is still with the people, uh, as part of uh, a way of interpreting Psalm 16, to say, and by the way, the person talked about here, when he says, he will not let your Holy One see corruption, can't be David. So I think it, it, the, the Bible does expect us to use information external to the Bible in understanding it, um, my, so that's, that's the sort of thing I meant by um, the error message, but I think that's different mm. from allowing um, what, a current consensus in a discipline uh, to tell you mm. what a text must be saying.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, you're not giving those sources of knowledge from outside of Scripture uh, a free pass or, or sort of automatic... Authority over, uh, over Scripture, but rather an authority in, in helping us to understand when we've gone wrong in, in, in interpreting Scripture. Um, so I mean, uh, that's why, particularly, I, I was drawing on some of the, the, the quote that I have from Alvin Plantinga in my response, um, where Plantinga, in talking about the integration of, of the faith and the sciences, sort of says, When there's a, a conflict between our grasp, of the teaching of scripture and current science uh, and, and I think he's indicating that, that both of those grasps of the book of God and the book of nature are of course our fallible grasp of he says we can't assume that it's our interpretation of scripture that's at fault um, it, it could be that but it doesn't have to be um, so that there's, a, there's a question of um, how strong do we think that that apparently contributes contradictory information from some other discipline is and how strong do we think how the correctness of our particular scriptural interpretation is and then there's the 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 dialogue between them Mm -hmm. but it is such that you could for example think that you've got a really strong reason for taking a biblical interpretation as being the best one that appears to contradict something from another discipline outside of scripture um, but that you think actually after looking at it and, and um, thinking through that subject from the ground up and not presuming that atheism is true at the start and so on and so on the, you know, maybe the consensus of the, the discipline is and so on that one might say actually I think the reasons given in that discipline for the viewpoint that appears to contradict what I think scripture says is actually really weak So I've got, say, weak scientific reasons for thinking X, but very strong scriptural reasons for thinking not X. And in such cases, I would let my um, scriptural interpretation trump the information, the apparent information, from some of the other disciplines. So as you say, it's not um, that we have scripture and then you you just allow the other disciplines to kind of play a referee role. It's... Although you, you, you do do that, but you, as I say, it's, it's it's this integrative process of trying to put all of our apparent sources of knowledge together, whilst taking account of the, the differing strengths and weaknesses of those sources, those fallible human projects. Yes, I
1: think it, I want to clarify that I, I own want us to see the the scriptures as suffering. So if there's a conversation, it's a conversation. The other disciplines are on their knees or whatever, or an absolutely sovereign. Uh, you know, and, and that's where I, I just think that that does generate a different way of um, looking at, at these things. It's... So you would um, look Scripture as the final um, referee? Oh, a- a- absolutely. And you know, maybe even the term like referee doesn't quite give enough mm. sense of mm. sovereignty. Okay. All right. uh, Another question. I should say that with
0: each question, you have a coupon, and that coupon allows you to ask the follow-up question. So just so that you know that. Sorry, let that. You know, you know. Yeah. And Michael please.
4: I just want to ask maybe Peter S. Williams, because he put in his rebuttal um, that he agreed with Peter that Stephen J. Gould was out, non-overlapping magisteria was not a position to take. And then you went on to say that you could have a number of views, right? Mm. And I know you've actually touched on this in answer to Alex's question, but I don't think you went far enough in addressing how, in fact, this is for both of you, how you actually assess which view is right. Mm. You give the impression in your paper, Peter S., that you know, all the views could be equally valid. I <laughs> think you're saying that, and I'd like no. some clarification on that, because, as Alex said, you know, these are huge issues, we're grappling with mm. And we need to have a theology guiding us as to how to get to the right biblical answer. Take the on age of birth issues, obviously. <laughs> That's where it really
2: really going. Right, thank you. So... Um, is to both of us but we'll have to iterate our reply as well um, are we in, in, in agreement that the, the sort of Stephen Jay Gould NOMA thing uh, is is out of the window I'm assuming that we we, we are on that so we are on that, uh, I thought we were um, and, and that's um, principally because um, what J- Stephen Jay Gould's idea of, of so-called non-overlapping magisterial authority he gives it this big fancy name is basically saying um, look, many people say there's a, a conflict between science and religion, um, but they're wrong about that. Indeed, there they, they can't be any conflict between uh, these uh, uh, different uh, sets of ideas, uh, and that's because science deals with the facts about reality and what's true, and religion deals with uh, uh, castles in the sky. Of ideas about morality and feelings and meaning and sort of airy fairy stuff like that that's not to do with the truth. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I think uh, that is um, just an obvious mischaracterization of the contents of religious belief, uh, apart from uh, also an overblown scientistic way of thinking about the competency of science. The sciences, natural sciences as as subjects. Um, So that's why I'm again that. Um, And then, yes, by saying, you know, competing legitimately Christian interpretations, if you could put it that way, uh, I'm not meaning to indicate that um, there's a whole bunch of different views you could take of passages that are all sort of obviously equally supported as another, and there's no way to tell the difference between them. Um, I, I mean I myself obviously uh, hold certain opinions on some areas of Christian theology that, that are clearly um, disputed by other Christians and I don't think that I've just sort of tossed a coin uh, and, and picked the one that I happen to like. I think I've got the better reasons for my interpretation um, whilst admitting that while well, I'm a fallible human being I suppose I, I could be wrong about this. Uh, but I guess in the, in the process of integration I would, I would want to clearly start with, with core uh, uh, essential doctrines uh, of mere Christianity uh, uh, and put those at the core of the integrative project uh, and uh, sort out more sort of tertiary, secondary tertiary issues uh, as I go along the way and simply pay attention to, uh, to things like um, don't a force, uh, you know, don't give the authority of of referee to a subject uh, when um, its entire way of looking uh, at its subject is is built upon rules that are uh, fundamentally incompatible with basic basic Christian doctrine. Um, So um, don't uh, don't allow uh, naturalism or methodological naturalism to dictate the results of a subject and then apply them to how I'm going to interpret scripture in order to fit in with what that other subject appears to say. But
0: how
1: can you be radical? Which is what Peter is well, saying. Uh, 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 maybe, maybe yeah. I explain, I don't know if you want
2: to talk about being radical? Well, no, you say something about being radical and I'll, I'll support it. It reminded
1: that sort of non-overlapping manisteria. Someone could easily "Ah, so you believe there are overlapping manisteria, to which the answer is no. Um, I think you've got you've been given books by God that's what the scriptures are uh, which are his words and there is no other magisterial so if we're going to keep the, the, the consistent language with the sovereignty of what um, uh, God says uh, I, I would want to say I don't think that there is a book of scripture and a book of nature as Bacon said and uh, the, the, Peter there is no book of nature. Psalm 19 will metaphorically speak of the heavens speaking, but they don't actually speak words, uh, so I don't understand that bit of text literally. And actually, nature doesn't speak like a book. Uh, well, it's somewhat like a book, but it, there are also disanalogies. So you mustn't push the analogy of um, the way nature speaks to be, uh, to give it the sort of clarity that uh, scripture as a book speaks with. So uh, I I want to uh, say, let's not draw too many parallels. So when Big Big This Evening works like integrated, to me, it sounds a bit like, well, there's going to be a merger between Barclays Bank and my personal savings which would be an asymmetrical merger. <coughs> how can we keep the um, asymmetry uh, of the fact that we're not integrating two equals? We're not having a conversation mm.
0: between the two equals.
1: We have a sovereign king mm. who has spoken words to us and our responsibility is to listen and heed mm. and try and uh, understand how these other mm. things uh, 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 might relate to what he says. Thank you very much,
0: for
1: of
4: you. All
0: right, yes. He has some questions. Don't decide over <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I it. I uh, appreciate Peter J.'s paper very much for his even uh, total uh, thrust and the court in Iraq.
4: But um, I, I have one question. I put it very brief what are the axioms of your system? Axioms, yes. yes. Yeah. What, are what are the you... axioms of your system? What okay. I want to say is, behind this way the system of oh. the analysis that you put, there are also axioms behind Yes. You need a philosophy, so to speak, in order to correctly be able to interpret yes. scriptures yes. and apply them to the issues. So, what, what I think
1: uh, happens is that uh, in the scriptures, God yes. Speaks to someone. And it's possible for God to speak to someone such that despite their sinfulness, uh, he can, by his uh, work, make them totally certain that they are hearing God's voice. And I believe that this has happened uh, historically in scriptural periods when God spoke to Abraham. There was no legitimate doubt of God, uh, that Abraham. Was. Speak, that, um, that the same, you know, God speaking to Adam, God speaking to the prophets, and so on. And that, uh, in a sense, we need to start from knowing that God has spoken. Um, uh, so we might come to the question: How do I know, uh, Peter J, know that God has spoken? And then I, I might uh, tell you about how I have assurance that God has spoken. Uh, uh, in scriptures, uh, God's worked uh, in, in various ways, taking my parents um, uh, telling me I might have some rational arguments, but at the end of the day I'm also going to say it is God's supernatural work in me that gives me that assurance that that's not very satisfying in many ways um, as a philosophical system, but I do want to say the bottom line is God's action. God's action speaking, and everything else follows from that. Does that make any sense in terms of talking about axioms? Yes, it is a necessity, but not a sufficient, uh, I
4: would say. Uh, because I think the spirit, and the internet, needs to make us contemporary in the sense of those, the, 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 the speakers and writers of the Bible. Let me give one example. Is it the word the Yeah, from the New Testament. There is no translation for many events, what it means, because you need to know the philosophy of that age yes. in order to understand and to try to translate it into our contemporary situations. Yes. And this is what I mean, you know, this whole system is helpful, it's a healthy thing, but there is more in the
1: kind of cosmology, if you like, that we do need to make biblical teachings fruitful for our society. Yes, uh, I, I do completely agree. So the question often arises, how do I know what the word in the Bible means if it only occurs, you know, once in the Bible, I say, or a phrase, or a rare phrase. Uh, and you know, typically, when it's in the New Testament, people go to classical literature and other, the German, when it's in the Old Testament, and there isn't much other, people, other than the Old Testament, they go to you, other languages the it, and so on. Now, what I would say is, in that is what else God has said. So if we know God's spoken in the book of Colossians, then whatever I take this to mean is constrained by the things we know God um, has uh, has said. Uh, But absolutely, God has given us our minds, our telescopes, our dictionaries, so that we can understand more um, uh, of, 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 of his world and, uh, and his world as well. And I do think that um, scripture gives us a legitimate reason for appealing to extra scriptural knowledge in interpreting scripture, though, frankly, give that example from Peter of Pentecost. Um, so I think that's right, but there's a, uh, part of it is recipe I believe, that the uh, scriptures give um, the most essential information to understand their full message, so uh, I, I believe that there is a, um, a, a sufficient clarity to the scriptures uh, as they speak, that um, it's possible uh, to be sure as to their basic message.
3: Um,
1: so, in, in, in that sense, uh, I would affirm I, I think extra biblical knowledge is fascinating We should mm. try and engage much of it as we can, mm. but um, I just want to make sure that it's in mm. the right place within the system, mm. and uh, therefore, my going to Greek philosophy to find out what the Australian philosophy means, my going to um, uh, other uh, sources of information is definitely seen as a handmade one so I've got the
0: matrix in place.
2: Mm. Can, 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 can I add a comment?
0: briefly before the next sorry Jonathan um, well, as you're doing that, let me just point out uh, I hate to do this if I were living in God's realm I wouldn't have to do this but we only have 10 minutes left okay uh, just um, I'm worried that we might be
2: spending too much time uh, talking about those areas where we have Christians disagreeing about what scripture says or how to interpret things uh, and to, to hammer home the, the central point of, of Little Pete's uh, paper uh, it, it, about being radical as Christians in engaging the rest of the academy to say that we we, we can uh, uh, and, and should as Christians approach the other academic subjects uh, with the essential, clear, uh, uh, mere Christian teachings and doctrines in hand and reconceive academic subjects from the ground up with those in mind um, before uh, we start using them in the project of helping us to try and work out the, the tertiary the difficult, uh, the, 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 the bits where we have lots of uh, inter-Christian uh, disagreements and we'll be in a much better place to uh, get the, uh, get correct error messages off the other sources of knowledge uh, as it were, if we do that, then if we don't do that. And I, th- I think that would be a, a key point to take away uh, from Pete's paper.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, yes?
4: My question pertains to the epistemological system that one should adopt for discerning a question like the age of the earth, for example. So, um, as a biologist, we have no expertise whatsoever in sure. geophysics, and so I'm... Not, I don't have the competence or the training to evaluate this question at a scientific
1: level adequately. Um, I can look at different scientific arguments that the younger and the older people make and say, oh, well, that's an interesting argument, that's an interesting argument, but I don't really have the background and context of the overall literature to be able to
4: make my own conscious judgment on the scientific evidence pertaining to those questions. Um, so if one were to adopt a younger persuasion, um, it seems that that invites the origin of the scientific community. And I actually don't mind being the by about the scientific community if I'm often in, in my position, and I think I can defend my position as mm. a scientific designer. But I do
1: not think I can defend a younger viewpoint of scientific words. What, how do you deal with that? On, I think it gets probably more specific than this session really is is to do. Because I think have different epistemologies uh, and come to the same conclusion and you have uh, the same epistemology and come to opposite conclusions because really these mm. sort of things depend on specific studies, specific things and, and yeah, the sort of uh, conclusions you come to. I'm not sure that the, the epistemology, epistemology mm. would really um, uh, mm. define it. So what the epistemology mm. I am advocating is saying, uh, let us start with God has spoken to mm. us uh, and mm. uh, give that a sovereignty in everything and go out and radically from that and uh, question anything. And the great thing is if you question you know whether the results fell in 1870 and you find out if it did, did fall in 1870, you've learned why you think it fell in 1870. And, and so that, you know, it's, it. it's like the, the man who told his son, you know, when we he died we find the, in the backyard and of course he, he dug it in the backyard, didn't find it and of course he had great problems afterwards. And, and so I think that for us
3: um, to
1: dig over and question something, even if you end up saying yes, it's really started at the end, that's a really worthwhile exercise. But I think it is our duty to be uh, uh, to see ourselves as radical questions. If, if,
4: if, if, one of the a radical French position and in the public setting, there are answers. How they defend that position is And as someone with the expertise in the relevant subject, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I, I would want to distinguish between, uh, taking
3: a radical questioning viewpoint and always adopting radical
1: conclusions. Uh, so uh, my conclusion in the English Channel of this is, you know, uh, something I'm, I'm very much with the consensus on that, uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's everything to be open to question. Mm. I don't think i want to spend much time questioning because I don't think there's much value in it, but in Mm. principle, everything's open to questioning.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you. Um,
3: Next. Peter J. raised the question of terminology and how Christians don't coin words anymore, Mm. but we used to in the form of Jesus theology. And you give examples that others in our culture are pointing them. or at least redefine them in terms of tolerance, and uh, discrimination, and there are plenty others, mm. of course. Are there any words that you would like to coin um, that you think there's a
1: lack of word that we should start to be a trend and start using
0: that word? Yes, thank you,
2: <laughs> um, <so. laughs> What a lovely <laughs> question. We want to I'm going to sexualist, which basically refers to anyone
1: who sees the world uh, basically in, in sexual categories. Um, so uh, you know that, that, to me, you know, um, everyone, you know, lots of people nowadays are, are um, assimilists. And it is, to me, it's like a religion, and, and we ought to be able to have a name for that religion, to be able to describe it. Um, so so that would be a, a case. But I also think we need to go back to the Bible, and about the word marriage. Marriage it hardly occurs at all, um, uh, you know, it occurs once in, you know, Hebrews 13 and 4, um, probably meaning something a bit different from what we mean by marriage, because it's, it's, it's more talking about, um, uh, it's not talking about the state or the commodity. Marriage is now commodity, that exists it's just Um people. And I think there we need to, you know, be potentially radical. There might be new words we want to um, uh, use, which express Christian teaching on the way uh, that a man and woman might uh, 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 join in a union, um, which are are different. So, so sometimes um, you know, we we may want to say that us have some new vocabulary. Um, I, I think when we see the way um, yeah, vocabulary works, sometimes mm-hmm. to attract and, to, to intrigue people, um, then we should have fresh, intriguing <coughs> vocabulary that people want to say. What do you mean by that? Uh, and sometimes we thought that we need always ways to use vocabulary that people already have in order to get the message across. Well, that's that's not the way you know our, our um, LGBTQ colleagues think about. But they, they're actually very ready to, mm-hmm. in a and it's very
0: effective. Uh, and uh, so, so there's something to learn from them. Okay, thank you. We have one more question, I think, um, and we have time for that. Mm-hmm. I'm Daniel Hill from the
3: Philosophers Network. Thank you very much to both Peter and Bruce. This question picks up on something that Peter J said. So you accepted Bruce's description, of Peter J of the Holy Scriptures as the referee in our discussions here. But then in the singular of the referee, but then you also seem to indicate there are other referees. Uh sentence written no, over the world hasn't ended, the law of non-confliction, so on. So I wonder if you could uh, clarify clarify.
1: Yes, so I
3: think uh, uh, I would want
1: to begin with um, the act of God speaking to us, which um, can be outside of the scriptures. So for instance, God spoke to Elijah, things which are not recorded in the scriptures, but but that he really did uh, need to uh, listen to. And so I believe that, that there is an absolute when God speaks every let all the earth go silent. Um, in. And so I don't want to make this out, I know of referees. But you see, God um, sometimes meets. And sometimes he is silent. He speaks to Abraham, and then he doesn't speak for a while. Uh, and what's Abraham supposed to do? Uh, uh, you know, uh, well, actually, uh, there we have the amazing delegation that happens that when God makes the world, he names the uh, he, he names day, but he allows Adam to name the animals, you know? and, and so, what you realise is he's delegating um, choices um, uh, to us. So, in terms of um, what we do, what we are think, so he's given us raw materials that we are supposed to work with, um, whether it be iron in the mountains or um, logical principles that we can from the way the world around us works, um, those are things. So I do think that we are able to get um, knowledge from um, outside the scriptures. That really is um, the case. But that's different from saying there are a couple of different referees. I don't really like that analogy because it doesn't give the absolute um, sovereignty and primacy to the time when God's voice booms from the mountain
3: or speaks with a small, still, small voice or simply is there in the scriptures for us. Have we got time for you to come back? So if you're the primacy to the scriptures then what's your defense against the person that says well, the scriptures say the world's ended and if you're just saying no oh, it hasn't because of the uh, your, your senses. Well, to give an example uh, from my own personal experience, I uh, once went up to be uh, prayed for the healing of a physical ailment and the uh, prayed and so said, okay, that the Bible uh, says you are now healed I said, actually, I'm still in pain. And he said, no, you're not. The Bible says that you've got to go with the Bible, not your own feelings. Okay. So it would seem, by your own that you that I also believed in not my own uh, insight so how would I respond to someone who says the
1: world ended and has an absolutely compelling um, yeah, case that this is what, what the techniques were? Of course, um, it was a counterfactual question because I don't think they would be able to do a very compelling case on it. But. So and counterfactual question, get yeah, into all sorts of message domain. Um, but uh, I would say that if uh, I become convinced that the scriptures Ended, uh, then uh, maybe I need, to, um, well, I need to re-evaluate what I thought it meant for the world to end for a start. Um, but I would have to adopt the conclusion that the world has ended. It would then lead me to a different conclusion about what it means to the end of the world is it ended. Um, yeah, I need to agree what end means. Does that make sense? But, but absolutely, if the scripture speaks convinced that the
0: really do teach that uh, then I should um, I should follow that. But I I think these counterfactual things someone gets into difficulty. Alright, uh, thank you. Uh, well, but I think if we listen to the questions just as a summary here, is that what it in light of what Pete's paper has done, it's a it's a serious call for us, first of all, in our individual disciplines, to be willing to audit uh, what we are saying, but to then be in conversation with other legitimate uh, disciplines that add information to uh, the question at hand. And I think that's what we have not been uh, good at doing. We've We've been very protective of our own disciplines, and we've not really been interested in in seriously engaging other disciplines in the search of truth. So uh, I want to say thank you to Peter for your paper, for your your response, uh, Peter. And thank you for your questions. And I hope it's just sort of a beginning of a conversation and moving in a different direction than what we maybe have been moving in in the past, where we've stayed in our own closets and not looked at, oh, another discipline has something to say to me. So let's give uh, them a hand.